Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. Did Kickstarter give this fully funded campaign a raw deal? Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are once again diving deep into the world of terms and conditions and internet giants, this time hitting Kickstarter, who appears to have taken a step that I haven't seen them take, at least not in anything prominent in the video game related space. And that has been that they have removed a fully funded campaign from their service. They have canceled all the pledges that relate to this campaign. And I was asked the question on my social media, and I'll show you that in just a second, about how this happened, why it happened, how this is a different read for what Twitter has been doing in the past. And I thought it would make a great episode of Virtual Legality. It absolutely is a different read from what Kickstarter has done in the past. It is under some new, what they call rules in some places, what they call recommendations in other places that they adopted very, very recently. So this might be actually a test case for what they wanted to use these rules for. Uh, and that all happened today. So without further ado, let's take a look. Uh, at, in particular, uh, the tweet that, that got my attention here, because I do like to respond to folks uh, that ask me these questions. I do like to have virtual legality episodes that mean things to people that people have interest in. And I got this question from Laura G, who is at IndieLauraSDG. And she said, curious to hear your thoughts on this, especially in light of how common it is for Kickstarter video games to already have extra outside funding or seek additional funding after the campaign in order to complete the game. Seems like a new reading of the rules, question mark. Uh, and that's all in respect of this article, uh, which uh, Laura had found on PC Games N, uh, and it is called Kickstarter Suspends GTA Online Imitator Raw, R-A-W, and Cancels Pledges. Raw was suspended because the developers, quote-unquote, would need to raise additional funds outside of Kickstarter to complete the game. Earlier today, the Kickstarter for Raw, a sandbox MMORP title built in the style of GTA Online, was suspended as backers received an email from Kickstarter saying that pledges will be canceled. The project had already met its funding goal, but faced plenty of criticism as fans, critics, and streamers suggested that it was far too ambitious to come to life on its modest budget. And it seems Kickstarter itself feels the same way. This article has a quote from Kickstarter. It says, Our rules and guidelines ask that creators seek to raise the money, uh, raise the amount of money needed to bring a project to completion and fulfill all rewards. This creator stated in an update that they would need to raise additional funds outside of Kickstarter to complete the game. We, we require projects to be honest and clearly presented, and this project failed to meet that standard. And you see here there's a link to the term honest and clearly presented, which of course, uh, being the guy that likes to follow things to their primary source material that I am, I immediately clicked and found myself at 
a Kickstarter page called Honest and Clear Presentation in Projects, which I actually hadn't seen before, which was interesting. And as you know, if you follow virtual legality, we have gone deep into the Kickstarter terms and conditions before. As a matter of fact, we got we had gone deep uh, relatively recently in respect of the Shenmue 3 controversy and whether or not it going exclusive on the Epic Game Store could result in refunds for folks, which ultimately resolved in Epic essentially saying that they would take on refunds. I did a couple of videos on that. Please check them out in virtual legality. You can find them on the YouTube page. Uh, but this page I hadn't seen before, so that was interesting to me because I have gone through these quite often. And this says, trust is the foundation for the health of Kickstarter's platform and ecosystem. And transparency is one of the most important components of cultivating trust to build a healthy, vibrant community. Because of this, we expect creators to bring an exceptional level of honesty, openness, and candor to both how they present their ideas and how they run their campaigns. Here's some additional guidance. So this is, again, framed, as we've talked about in virtual legality in the past, this is all framed as kind of a plain English. We're just your buddies. We're just your friends. We're just going to talk to you about how we want our site to look, how we want you to operate, how we think users want you to operate as a project creator. And we're all just buddies here, and we're going to talk about various things. As a matter of fact, the very first thing they say on this first section of this page is the following points are our recommendations to creators for making their projects as transparent as possible. Recommendations, they aren't rules. However, failure to honestly and clearly present your campaign may result in a range of actions from your project being ineligible for promotion to account restrictions or even project suspension. Said another way, hey, look, um, we can do whatever we want to you and these are our recommendations for how you should do things. You don't have to follow them if you don't want. But if you use things on the do not list, which we're going to discuss in just a second, well, you know, it would be a shame if anything were to happen to that campaign you've got there, which is all within their rights. It's their platform. It's their site. Kickstarter is their thing. And truth be told, I am sympathetic to their plight on this. We've talked about Kickstarter a lot uh, in virtual legality. And the reason for that is there are a lot of people that have been burned by a lot of campaigns and a lot of creators that seemingly have absconded with large amounts of money without actually releasing anything approaching what the backers thought they were funding. And so Kickstarter sits back and looks at their terms and conditions, looks at this current state of play, looks at the numbers of the money that's coming in and the campaigns that are getting funded and says, hey, you know, I, I think, and this is just speculation on my part, but it certainly matches what we're seeing here. I think some people are a little bit reticent to put money into Kickstarter because of these situations. So we need to make sure that people are being more transparent. They're being more open. They're being more honest. In essence, that fewer campaigns are getting funded on kind of specious promises of the future. But those campaigns that do get funded are more likely to come to fruition. And hopefully through that process, we're building up a certain amount of trust in the Kickstarter platform. That, to me, looking at this from afar, is what I see them doing here. But they don't want their creators to run uh, to a different site. They don't want a competitor to jump out. So they don't make these rules hard and fast up here. They just say, hey, these are recommendations. But hey, if you don't do them, well, we might have an issue with you. And so we get to transparency. It says, be transparent about your project's funding goal and popularity. Do explain how you chose your funding goal so that backers understand the full cost of what it takes to bring your project to life. Do set your funding goal according to what you realistically need to completely fulfill your Kickstarter rewards. Said another way, you have to set that goal on Kickstarter according to this recommendation. 
in a manner that will allow you to make that game, to make that board game, to make that video game, to write that book, whatever it is that you're doing on Kickstarter. After these rules went into place, we're going to talk about when that was, because that was also an interesting part of this story to me. Uh, But after these rules went into place, you are going to be obligated to set a funding goal that will get you across the finish line. And that's an interesting question. That's really the question that Laura was asking me on Twitter was, hey, you know, just taking Shenmue, for instance, I know that Shenmue got funded in a small way, knowing that they would have a publisher come and help them fill out whatever the budget was going to need to be for that game. And that has happened time and time again. And arguably that has happened for some of the most kind of popular, most successful Kickstarters that they have had those uh, kind of publisher relationships, whether that's Deep Silver, whether that's Epic, that have come in and said, hey, all right, your Kickstarter served as a proof of concept for what you want to do. That's a good thing. Now we know that that audience is potentially out there. You've got the funding that you need. We'll help take you across the finish line with distribution and marketing and back office support and those kinds of things. And I think people had gotten at least relatively used to that situation that certainly specific creators were using Kickstarter truly to kickstart, to not get across the finish line, but to kickstart the process of proving to bigger bags of money, bigger funding sources, that they had a project that people would be interested in, that they would be excited about. And here Kickstarter has come in in these rules and recommendations and said, well, we don't like this. We don't like the fact that you can just ask for a small amount of money and use that to prove to Sony that this project is viable or prove to Deep Silver or Epic, whoever it is you're looking to be published by. Because, and this makes perfect sense for someone that's looking at it from Kickstarter's perspective, because even if you get that money, if you can't say, go into the offices of Sony and say, hey, look, we proved it. Now you can publish us because people are interested in, and Sony turns around and says, yeah, everybody that was interested in funded your project already. You earned your $70,000 and you need $2 million to make your game. So good luck to you, but we're not going to publish. And then when everybody says that to you, essentially you collected $70,000 from people that believed in you. And there isn't any way in heck that you're going to actually deliver a project. And I think Kickstarter looked at some of its analytics, looked at some of the press that it was getting on some of these things and said, yeah, that's a problem that we are having. So we are going to make as a recommendation, you have to set that number close to actually fulfilling what it is you're trying to produce because everything else kind of has that feel of not fraud, that's a little strong for a legal term, but maybe a little light fraud, fraud adjacent. Uh, And so Kickstarter wants to avoid that. It wants to avoid being connected with uh, people that are conning people on the internet. And so they say, hey, set that funding goal at a realistic level. They also said, Disclose whether you've already received any funds prior to running your campaign and how you plan to use those funds. Said another way, hey, maybe that $70,000 can get you across the finish line, but everybody looking at it from afar says, no, you can't make that thing that you've promised for $70,000. So what do you have in your back pocket? And then you have to disclose, oh, well, actually, this publisher has already signed us for a deal, but the publisher's trying to save money and has asked us to go get $300,000 on Kickstarter. So that's what we're asking for. Publishers are already here. We've already got that all lined up. Everything is already ready to go. The $300,000 takes us across the finish line. And so you can say that. You can't just, but you can't say it in reverse on Kickstarter. As a matter of fact, they say that specifically. Do not set a funding goal that won't allow you to bring your project to completion or accept funds on Kickstarter with the knowledge that you'll require future outside funds in order to fulfill all of your rewards. Now, stepping back for a second, we just talked about the reasons why that makes sense for Kickstarter. 
I'll say the reasons that it doesn't make sense to me, looking at this from a transparency and honesty and good faith and fair dealing kind of perspective is, okay, if you actually go through your campaign and you say, hey, this $70,000 is not going to get us across the finish line. Can you please give it to us anyway? Because we're going to use that to try to go woo publishers. We're going to use that to try to go and get a second set of crowd funders to join us in a phase two kind of operation. Why shouldn't that? Why shouldn't that honesty be honored if you can convince enough crowdfunders to put money into your project? It's not a lack of transparency at that point, as long as you said that, as long as you said, hey, this money is not going to make this game more showing. It's going to get us to the first step of making this game that you're showing. If you have that honesty, if you have that transparency, we've already talked in virtual legality about the fact that I personally wouldn't invest in a project like that. I don't believe that Kickstarter gives the protections for uh, backers that they should get uh, to use their service, but that's another story, and that is in those Shenmue 3 videos, so do check those out. But just the fact that I wouldn't personally do it doesn't mean that I'm the final arbiter of what other people should do with their money, and if you get enough people and they're interested in your project and they're willing to put that money in with that knowledge, with that transparency, I sit back and say, from a kind of fundamental philosophical level, I have trouble finding a problem with that. And so Kickstarter finds itself a little bit in a rock and a hard place with this stuff because if there is that transparency, if there is that honesty and people are saying, all right, I'm willing to take the risk. What's 20 bucks? I'm willing to risk it on these folks. I like the cut of their jib. I like what they're saying. Hey, I know I could lose it immediately. Hey, I know they might even be conning me. I'm okay with it. Kickstarter steps in and says, well, we're not okay with it. So we've got two sides of the coin there because Kickstarter doesn't want to be associated with fraud, but people might have a higher risk tolerance than a big, giant corporation that is running a site like Kickstarter. They also say you shouldn't give any false impressions. And then they go on on this page to talk about a bunch of other things you shouldn't do. And just so that we're clear that they can make a distinction between recommendations, which are not rules, and rules, they actually have a second part of this page, which is mostly about visual depictions. You can't use photorealistic renderings of things that don't exist, et cetera, et cetera. The following points are rules, not solely recommendations. Violations of these rules can result in project suspension. Now, as a lawyer, I look at that and say, all right, these are the hard and fast things. The recommendations are soft. However, the second sentence here says essentially the same thing that the second sentence says up above, which is that violation of these rules can result in project suspension. If you recall from the top of this page, that's exactly what was said up here. Hey, failure to honestly and clearly present your campaign may result in a lot of things, including project suspension. Meaning if you don't follow our recommendations, we could determine that you're not being honest and transparent. We can suspend your project. And that's that. And that's kind of the lay of the land for what this was all kind of directed at, that there's this notion that they have to be honest and transparent. There's a secondary notion that this particular Kickstarter wasn't. And let's see exactly why Kickstarter might think that. So let's take a look at the actual Kickstarter campaign, which you see the, the page of right here. It says funding suspended about 11 hours ago. So this all happened today. This all happened very recently. And we see here raw sandbox MM. O-R-P, Game with Attention to Realism. Raw is a new sandbox, open world, hardcore MMORPG. Presumably RPG was supposed to be in the heading as well. Anyway, with unique approach to social structure and high attention to gameplay details. And you see this is a non-English uh, speaking group of folks that are doing this. There's a lot of kind of uh, broken English and a, a few things that seem to have been translated or transliterated uh, depending on what we're looking at. Uh, but the overall state of affairs here is they're going to build something as big as Grand Theft Auto Online, which is, of course, funded 
and built and developed by one of the richest, most popular game developers in the world, Rockstar Games, they're going to do it on essentially a dime, uh, a penny for every dollar that Rockstar spends. And they actually asked for only 70,000 euros, which equates to about $78,000 right now. You can see here that they had $193,000 pledged, so they were actually double what they had asked for, and they were getting pretty close to the end of their campaign. And what Kickstarter seems to have triggered this cancellation on was a FAQ, a FAQ answer that they had included on their campaign page, which may or may not have been added after the campaign started. Uh, it's a little bit unclear there. Their article suggests that it was a campaign update. You see here that this actual fact was stated as being updated Sunday, July 14th. So that would be yesterday. And maybe that was, in fact, the case. So what we've got is a circumstance here where Kickstarter might be looking at this. And we're going to talk about what's actually the answers that they give to why the, the goal is $79,000. And have been satisfied with what was stated when the campaign originally started and then not satisfied all of a sudden when it was updated on Sunday, July 14th, 2019. Unfortunately, I don't know of any way to really go back and see what this looked like before then. If you do, you know, tell me in my YouTube comments. I'm happy to take a look at those kinds of things. Uh, but let's just assume for the sake of argument right this second that this was the answer when the campaign originally started. And we see here it says... Why is the goal $79,000? You can't do anything with that budget. We had a very tight deadline to prepare our Kickstarter campaign. You might think, hey, you've been developing the game for two and a half years and could not prepare properly for such an important event. Yes. Unfortunately, we didn't have a chance to prepare as we could. This is due to delays, timing forecasts, mistakes, and several serious life circumstances. We had to prepare our campaign in a hurry. Of course, we know that we had to make a few gameplay videos, then the trust of the community would have grown significantly. We planned to prepare some gameplay, but did not have time. Due to the above reasons, and because people already had a negative experience with RP games, we decided to reduce our goal to $79,000. Of course, we need a lot more than $79,000. The minimum comfortable amount is about $300,000. We said earlier that there will be several fundraising campaigns. Kickstarter is just the first stage. Yep, this is exactly what we were just reading about in Kickstarter's Honesty and Transparency. This is what Kickstarter doesn't want to have happen on its system right now. And you can see why. I, as I said before earlier in this video, this is the kind of answer where even if this were at the exact first date of the campaign, if somebody were to ask me whether they should invest in this, I would look at that and say, yeah, that's a lot of excuses right at the top. These guys give me a little bit of pause for what they're talking about. I would be very reluctant to fund them unless, and I tell this kind of thing to clients all the time, unless you've got some play money, you're willing to put it in to see what happens, and if you're okay with that investment going to $0 immediately, it's your money, do what you want with it. Now, if that is the case, if something like this answer was the same on day one as it is now, then I look at this and say, okay, well, if, $193,000 worth of people were willing to invest in this project. Kickstarter, who really are you to tell them that they're wrong? Of course, you run Kickstarter. You're allowed to do what you want with your site. You're allowed to do what you want with your platform. Uh, but personally, if that answer on that fact didn't change, I look at this and say, hey, if somebody wants to commit their money to something like this and they get burned by it, bare minimum, maybe you learn from it. 
Maybe you learn from the mistake of funding this. And I really do think there was a period of time where people were investing in Kickstarter. Some people were getting burned. And in general, the overall kind of Kickstarter backer intelligence level was increasing slowly, was able to better kind of suss out who the con men really were because of those early days and because of people losing their money and, and really understanding what a good pitch was, what a good campaign was. And I look at this and say, no, I wouldn't put my money in this. But I don't really put my money in Kickstarters of any kind anymore. But $193,000 worth of people did. So who's Kickstarter to say otherwise? Now, devil's advocate, this says it was updated yesterday around noon. Maybe this answer was completely different. Maybe this answer at the start of the campaign was, oh, yeah, you know, 70,000 euros is fine because of X, Y, and Z. Because we've already worked on this a bunch and we're going to take it across the finish line with this money. You don't have to worry about that. And then they changed it to, hey, we are going to need a lot more than this. We're going to have an Indiegogo campaign right after this Kickstarter. And Kickstarter wound up having a big problem with that answer. I don't really know the answer to the timing of, the, the, of those things. And certainly, if you've got a material change in something in your campaign that is introduced in the late days of that campaign, 10 days left, 5 days left, and you know for a fact it's the summer, people are going to be on vacation, people aren't going to be checking their emails, they're not going to be able to necessarily see all the changes that you made before they're funded and their money goes out when they wouldn't have funded if they knew this answer, then yeah, you're on the wrong side of fraud, you're on the wrong side of deception. And honestly, if I'm at Kickstarter, I'm looking at what happened here. And if that is what happened here, I'm probably stepping in myself as well. If that's the case, though, I'm probably giving better answers than the ones that were given to the article that we just read and that are floating around the Internet right now, which is this kind of vague, hey, they weren't honest and transparent. You can't have this money being spent that won't get you across the finish line. Uh, I think it would be a different answer. It would be, hey, you changed materially the entire answer that you gave at the start of the campaign. Maybe that happened. Maybe that didn't. Maybe there's a communication failure on the part of Kickstarter. Uh, but either way, when we talk about those uh, honesty and transparency and services recommendations and those rules, those aren't the terms of use that you're entering into with Kickstarter. We've talked about terms and conditions a lot on this uh, podcast and video series. And you know, if you listen to virtual legality, those aren't the terms of service. Those aren't what you have to worry about. What you have to worry about are what are called the terms of use. These are the things that you're actually agreeing to. And if we look right here, you've got it on your screen right now. We look at section 13 of the current terms of use for Kickstarter. They say in the heading, which isn't operative legal language, they've said these blue boxes are essentially guideposts for people to help understand the, the legalese that they've used. Uh, although this is as plain English as, as anything on the internet right now to operate we need to be able to maintain control over what happens on our website. So in this section, we reserve the right to make decisions to protect the health and integrity of our system. We don't take these powers lightly, and we only use them when we absolutely have to. And here's the rights that they reserved. We can make changes to the Kickstarter site and services without notice or liability. We have the right to decide who's eligible to use Kickstarter. We can cancel accounts or decline to offer our services, especially if you're abusing them. We can change our eligibility criteria at any time. If these things are prohibited by law where you live, in other words, if the law says we can't do those things, then we revoke your right right this second to use Kickstarter in that jurisdiction. Hey, if you've got statutory law protecting you from these things, you're not allowed to use Kickstarter at all. Just go away. We have the right to cancel any pledge to any project, as was done with this raw project, at any time, and here's the legal kicker, and for any reason. Kickstarter puts up a good face about, hey, we're going to use these powers to be 
helping honesty, to help transparency, to help you, the backers. But just for the record, though we put all those things out there, those might be our guiding philosophies. Those might be our mission statements. Our lawyers know better. We reserve the right to do any of these things for any reason. It doesn't have to be locked down to anything we just told you. Those might be recommendations, but if we don't like what you did, we can re- we can revoke all your pledges for any reason. It doesn't matter. And the big one here, we have the right to reject, cancel, interrupt, remove, or suspend any project at any time, and of course, for any reason. So Kickstarter's lawyers are, are on the ball. They know what they have to do to be able to invoke these rights. Nobody can come after Kickstarter for these from a legal perspective. But that's entirely different from a political perspective. That's entirely different from business and public relations, as we saw with Shenmue. We talked at length in virtual legality about the fact that, hey, you probably can't get a refund for Shenmue because of these Kickstarter terms. But you can certainly make enough noise that Epic pays attention, and Epic doesn't want that negative relationship to exist. So they decide to fund refunds so that kick- so that Shenmue can still be made and that the Kickstarter backers who are offended by having to use the Epic Game Store uh, can get the refunds that they want. You've got sources. If this upsets you, if you're a raw backer and you say, you look at this and you say, what is Kickstarter doing? I understand that this was a risk. I understand that these guys maybe don't have a pedigree in making these types of games. I understand that $70,000 won't do anything and it may well wind up funding an addition to their house in Finland. I understand all these things. I still want to give them 20 bucks. I still want to give them a hundred bucks. Who is Kickstarter to say otherwise? We've talked about their business reasons for potentially saying otherwise, but that's all in a vacuum. That's all in a situation where nobody's really complaining about something like this because, frankly, they haven't done something like this before. And the reason for that, again, prompted by this question that I got on Twitter, was the fact that these particular rules and recommendations, that page that we looked at about honest services and transparency, is pretty much brand new. I found a number of articles on this. I pulled up the uh, Gizmodo article. It says, the world's best crowdfunding site releases incredible new rules and guidelines to help protect amazing backers, which is essentially a satirical headline because one of the things that we didn't really talk about is you're not supposed to use puffery. You're not supposed to say the world's best shaving cream on the top of your campaign. And so that's what that headline is about. But we see here the date, June 13th, 2019. It's just about a month old. As far as I know, Kickstarter hasn't gotten a chance to really invoke these rules before. And there are plenty of rules on that list that are potentially more problematic for a lot of folks. You can't use photorealistic renderings of things without a prototype. I mean, I see a lot of board game Kickstarters, for instance, exist that really have those kind of photorealistic renderings done so that people can understand what it is that the game actually is and not have to rely solely on your tiny little prototype with your X's marked on post-it notes and things like that. But Kickstarter says, no, that's not fair. That's not transparent. We don't want those anymore. So there's a lot more going on here than just what we're talking about in respect of Raw. But in respect of Raw, these rules existed only for the last month. And so... It really is, as far as I'm aware, an issue of first impression. And as you can tell from this video, I kind of understand both sides of it. Um, again, assuming that the answer that the folks that behind Raw gave at the start of their campaign was something remotely similar to the answer that we can see now. And whatever the edit was yesterday wasn't materially different from the information that was presented at the forefront. I look at that and say, wow. You know, if you've got all these people, yeah, maybe if I found them in a room, I would say, hey, that's probably not the best investment. That's maybe not wise. I wouldn't do that with my money if I were you. They say, hey, I don't care. 
I'm going to spend it because I want to. I want to support these guys. I like them talking to me on Twitter. I like what they said in their updates. I like their videos. Whatever it is that caused you to give your money to the project, and who's the corporation to tell me that I can't? And from Kickstarter's legal perspective, they're entirely protected. You can go through those terms and conditions. You can go through the terms of use. You can go through all the warning pages and various things that they have on there. And they say in 600 different ways, we are not party to this contract. We are a facilitator. We are a portal to helping people get campaigns funded and up and running. But you can't sue us. We don't evaluate the claims of the people that are putting campaigns up on our site. We don't evaluate whether the credit cards are stolen. We don't evaluate whether backers can fund the things that they're claiming to fund. We don't do that. We take our 5%, we go away. This is all a portal for you to get going, but you can't come after us. So from a legal perspective, Kickstarter is entirely protected if Raw turned out to be fraudulent. But that's not good enough for trying to grow your business. And so I look at it from an entrepreneurial perspective. I've got a lot of clients that make information technology services, that make apps, that make websites. I've worked on a lot of terms of use. I've talked to people about these kinds of issues. And I say, I totally understand. You've reserved that right for yourself. You know that you need to get something done in order to prevent people from essentially tying you to fraud, tying you and thinking, oh, Kickstarter, that's where the con men live and steal all the money. And you have to get in front of that. And that's what they tried to do this summer. And this appears to be the first jab at that. They can say what they want about honesty and transparency. But in all honesty, I look at that and I say, yes, maybe that's an issue. Maybe what was actually said on the fact was similar to what it said at the beginning of the campaign. But I looked at the campaign. Kickstarter looked at the campaign. Their analysts looked at the campaign. And they looked at it and they said, you know, this feels a lot like it's likely to be fraud. And if it's not fraud, which implies an intent to deceive, then it's very unlikely to succeed and that the people that are behind this campaign don't necessarily care if it succeeds, that they want to get the money and they want to get things up and running. And yeah, they want to use it potentially for building their video game. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And at least they got 70,000 euros or more, as you saw, was funded in their campaign. And Kickstarter said, yeah, we have to start taking a better look at people that are just kind of using it to make half projects, to make three quarters projects. And to some extent, I'm sympathetic to that. Certainly from a corporate level, I'm sympathetic to that. On a functional level, I think they've made a promise to backers that, hey, if it gets funded, if it gets through the process that gets a campaign up there on our site and you decide to fund it, even if it looks shady to everybody else on earth, then we're going to allow you to make that decision. And Kickstarter's kind of backstepped on that, kind of gone away from that pure market approach to what Kickstarter could be to maybe a little bit more curated maybe a little bit more hands-on from Kickstarter. And whether or not you like that is is really a decision that, that only you can make. But I think it's a fascinating one. I certainly think it's well worth noting that some of those rules and recommendations at Kickstarter are new and that they've gone into place uh, and that there's something that we can all kind of reflect on. I highly recommend checking out that page. I will absolutely link it in the description to this video because there are a lot of interesting do's and don'ts, particularly with visual depictions of what the campaign, what the project creators can actually say uh, on the site. But overall, I'm, I'm sympathetic to both sides. I'm, I'm sympathetic if you say, hey, I wanted to get that money through the project and now it's not going to happen because Kickstarter brought the hammer down. And I'm sympathetic to Kickstarter sitting there and saying, uh, we don't like the feel for this one. We've got a gut feeling on this. The last thing I'll leave you with is, I think the question that brought this to my attention that Laura wanted to ask me is, hey, we've seen a lot of other 
projects actually go and get funded that have this kind of publisher relationship? Do you think Kickstarter's going to use the hammer now on those projects? And I think, in all honesty, the unfortunate truth of the matter, the real politic of the thing is, yeah, they're going to use it on on campaigns that look like Raw, that kind of have that broken English, maybe can't make a good explanation for why they're asking for so little money. They're not likely to use it on the Shenmue 3s of the world, not with folks that have industry contacts that appear on E3 stage with Sony in order to get the Kickstarter up and running, that have that level of publicity. Even if they might internally have a few doubts about that particular project getting across the finish line, I think you're going to see if they do continue to use the hammer in this way on on projects like Raw, you will start to see a kind of class divide there, where if you've got the background, if you've got the team that's made video games before, if you have somebody from Sony Independent Games Development in your back pocket, or you know somebody at Epic who's appearing on your campaign, you are going to get a wider bit of discretion from the Kickstarter analyst that's looking at this and deciding whether the campaign needs to be terminated or suspended. Unfortunately, that's the reality of the situation, and that really does come down to the fact that Kickstarter is protecting its brand. And if you are not a risk or not a significant risk of harming its brand, it's not going to do much against you. And it reserves that right to do anything it wants. And as the counterpoint to that, it reserves the right to not do anything it doesn't want to do. And that's Kickstarter. And that's virtual legality for today. If you like this video, please do like, please subscribe to the channel. We are talking about fun stuff like this all the time. We spent a lot of time talking about social media last week. I covered CDA Section 230, which is the liability shield. You might have heard uh, at the Social Media Summit last week or in the Washington Post or in other places. It is one of the talks of the town in the Internet and elsewise. I also talked about Facebook uh, momentarily approving death threats against certain people in its terms and conditions, which is a fun little video. I don't think those current rules survived uh, that uh, two or three hour stint there where they were allowed on the Facebook site. But check that out because terms and conditions are interesting and they really do govern a lot of the way we interact with the internet and the websites we use every day. And it's important to know how they work. and It's important to know how these companies use them. Uh, otherwise, if you could share this around the internet, I really would appreciate it. I can only get so far and I can only get so many places when I'm otherwise drafting contracts, doing negotiations and uh, working at my day job. So if you find something in here that you think would be interesting to share around, whether it's on Reddit or elsewhere or, or NeoGAF or Reset Era, wherever else you might find yourself, please do feel free to share it. I love having new folks come in. Tell me how idiotic I am, how much wrong I am, how capitalistic swine I am, whatever it is that floats their boat to put in my YouTube comments. I always do get a kick out of that. Uh, otherwise, thank you so much for watching if you watch this on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening if you listen to it on a podcast service. And if you could review it on that podcast service you listen to it on, I would really appreciate it. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. <laughs>